This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. So here is the title of our message as we continue with our series that we started last week. The Freeing Truth About Unforgiveness. Now I know to some that may sound a little contradictory. It may sound like some people would call it an oxymoron because how can there be freeing truth about unforgiveness? Why would anyone want to live in unforgiveness? Exactly. That's why we need to see the gospel truth about it that will free us to live in forgiveness, to live in forgiveness with others, to live without unforgiveness in our lives. And I know the reason why we've titled that and why we're talking about that today is because, <clears throat> like it or not, if you live on this planet and you are beyond the age of understanding, and even as a child, you know yourself, we are going to face situations that involve people, those close to us, maybe not those close to us, maybe people in the workplace, maybe just friends, whatever it is. We are going to face people that are imperfect because we ourselves are imperfect. We, were, we are descendants of a fallen being, naturally speaking. When we receive salvation in Jesus, we become as He is spiritually, but we still live in this carnal, fallen body. And so because of that, we'll have every single opportunity to be offended. People will offend us. And that's not a negative confession for those of you who watch every word you say, and we should watch every word we say. But that's a fact. We live in a world where there are imperfect people, and they will ultimately offend us. Because everyone is at a different place, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And because of that, Things will happen. In actual fact, the more we engage with people, the more the chance of being offended. And not just ourselves, but also we offending other people. Because not everything we say is going to be perfect. Not everything we say is going to be taken as we meant it or interpreted correctly. And sometimes we may just say things where we intend to offend someone, whatever our motive may be. And so offenses will come, Jesus said. He said, in this world, you will have the opportunity to be offended. And so when we get offended, we have a choice. We have to decide what we are going to do with that offense. Are we going to let it get into our heart? Are we going to give it free rent space in our heart and in our mind? Are we going to let it harbor things that we don't need in our life and then it is expressed through unforgiveness. And so we want to talk about all of that. We want to see what God has to say. We want to see what new covenant, uh, what the new covenant understanding is of the aspect of unforgiveness so that we can walk in freedom and in gospel truth. Because the honest truth is, much of Christendom and many religions preach the same thing. And that is, is that if you have unforgiveness in your heart, number one, you're risking your eternal life. You're risking going to hell, is what they will tell you. You are risking not having a relationship with God. You are risking decaying yourself, not just spiritually, but also emotionally and physically, ultimately. And so all this fear, all this scare, all these scare tactics, we can call them, 
uh, are brought forth in teaching, in churches, in doctrine, and people basically live in fear, dread and guilt, shame and condemnation because <laughs> they have unforgiveness in their heart, because they resent someone, because they have ill feeling towards someone, which is all the same thing. And so <clears throat> they'll do one of two things. They'll stay away from spiritual things from church, or they'll just try and sear their conscience and try and justify it. But ultimately, God's plan and purpose is for us to live free from unforgiveness. He doesn't want us having any unforgiveness in our hearts. Amen. But we need to understand gospel truth because, let's face it, some people have hurt us really bad. Some people can offend us real bad. And we need to decide what we're going to do with that. And so that's why we're talking about the freeing truth about unforgiveness. So let's begin by talking about what it means to have or be in unforgiveness. So if you want to know, okay, how, how can I tell if I have unforgiveness in my heart, if I'm living in, with unforgiveness in my life? How can I tell? Well, here are some of the things that will help you determine if that's the case in your heart. It is when we are offended at someone. So in general, <laughs> when you think about someone, when you see someone and you have these you know, just yucky feelings toward that person and immediately you feel like you are offended at that person. So your aim is to avoid that person, not to be around that person. And, you know, you just don't have a good feeling about that person. You, you have ill feeling toward that person. That's how you know that you have unforgiveness in your heart. And then also it is when we have hurt feelings toward another person. In other words, you feel like they've hurt you and you carry this pain and you just, every time you see them, it just, you know, sets off the fire of that pain again, reignites it, and you, of course no one likes to feel that. But that's how you can identify if you have unforgiveness in your heart. And then also, it is when you hold on to past hurts. It is when you have resentment towards someone in your heart. It is when you have a grudge. You just feel begrudging towards. In other words, you hold a grudge against someone. That's how you can know that you have unforgiveness in your heart. When you have conversations, you bring up the past, and it's the past where you were hurt, and you resent the person. So, you know, you hang around the person, you're happy to tolerate them, but you don't really celebrate them. You know, that's resentment. And you have grudges. So the first opportunity you get to get them back, you take it. And so those are some of the ways that we can tell whether we have unforgiveness in our heart. Another way we can tell is when we feel bitter or angry toward the other person. So somehow you have this bitterness towards this person and you feel angry around them. They make you angry. And so that's how we can know that we have unforgiveness in our heart. And is that what God wants for us in our lives? Of course not. Amen. And so what does unforgiveness do? Unforgiveness binds us to the past. And what it does is then prevents us from fully embracing and enjoying the present and the future. Did you hear what I said? Let me say that again. Unforgiveness binds us to the past. It keeps us tied to the past regarding a person, the one we have unforgiveness towards. 
And what that does is it prevents us from fully enjoying and embracing the present and the future. So it's really destructive. It's really not beneficial to us and in our lives. Unforgiveness also hinders our growth. It hinders our personal growth. It hinders our spiritual growth. Why? Because it's always in the way. You know, <laughs> the other day I was driving and <clears throat> as I was driving to this location, it would take me about 30-40 minutes. And it just so happens that it's not too long ago here in San Antonio, you know, there's a few days when um, the season begins and you have all these butterflies that just come out of nowhere. And so they're all over the place, all over the place. And so as you drive, they just smash into your windscreen, your windshield of the car, and they just, you know, some of them splat and some of them. And, and at the end of the day, where I was driving, there was a whole bunch of them. And so before I realized, my windshield, my windscreen was just full of these little dead squashed butterflies. It wasn't on purpose. It was between them just flying into anything and the speed of my car that caused that to happen. And so as I was driving, it wasn't hard to see the road, but it was harder than usual, you know, comparing to when my windshield is clean. And so I had to kind of move my head around and try and see the clean parts of the windshield where I could see the road, I could see the traffic, because it was getting dark at the same time, and I didn't want to, you know, miss something or, you know, <laughs> have an accident or something like that. And so it would get in my way. And really, in many ways, that's what unforgiveness does. It kind of becomes a blinding aspect, a blurring aspect in our lives. And it prevents us from seeing into our present and seeing our future the way we need to see it. This is why we don't want to have unforgiveness in our hearts. And also, unforgiveness is a burden that shackles us and prevents us from living in true freedom and peace. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness is a burden that shackles and prevents us from living in true freedom and peace. Whether we realize it or not, that's exactly what it does. Because we, we dwell and we chew on the situation, on what the person said, what the person did. And so it begins to consume our mind, it consumes our thought life, it consumes our emotions. And before you know, it's got you shackled down and it prevents you from enjoying true freedom and peace. Because now you're, trying, you're just rehearsing this over and over in your mind. And this is why we need to look at the subject regularly. As we, are, <clears throat> as we are doing today, we need to talk about it. We need to see what God's Word says and let God's Word, <clears throat> let the Spirit of God and let what God has to share with us bring freedom into our lives about it. Amen. So let's see what Jesus, when He was here on the earth, let's see what He said about unforgiveness and why He said that about unforgiveness. And let's understand this correctly. Because here's what happens. <clears throat> Unfortunately, much of Christendom, much of the teaching that is out there is very legalistic. It is mixed. It's a mixture of law and grace. And so what happens, it's, in other words, it's a mixture of old covenant way of relating to God and new covenant way of relating to God. And so when you do that, you end up coming across with a message that on the one hand tells you you can you know, be in unforgiveness, but on the other hand it tells you all the doom and gloom about unforgiveness if you don't deal with it the way they say you should. 
And so we want to clear this up. Now, much of that misunderstanding, much of that um, erroneous teaching, if you will, comes from what we're about to read, which are the very words of Jesus. Jesus said this himself. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to see why he said that, when he said it, and the purpose for him saying it, and how it may or may not apply to the New Covenant believer today, and then why that's the case. And let's see what Scripture says about that. Amen. So let's begin with Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. We're going to do most of our reading from the New King James translation today. So (laughs) Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. This is now when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, our Father in heaven. And so he taught them. And this is part of that prayer that we're just looking at today for this purpose of our subject. And watch what he says. And you know this well, because it's part of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And he says this, And forgive us our debts, in other words, our sins, as we forgive our debtors. Now look real carefully at what I've emboldened there. So basically, (laughs) what Jesus just did when he taught his disciples to pray, and many people have taken that prayer and still pray, pray it to this day, and watch what he told us to pray to God. He said, say this to God, Father, forgive us our debts. That sounds good. That sounds fine. We want forgiveness. But then look at what he said next. As we forgive our debtors. In other words, those who sin against us. So in other words, what Jesus was saying in that is that we're asking God to forgive us the way we forgive others. Now, it may sound like a good motivation, but at the end of the day, let me ask you this question. Does that sound like a good arrangement to you? Be honest. If you were to say to God, Father, forgive me only the way that I forgive others, because that's in essence what Jesus said. How many of us would like to be forgiven by God the way we forgive other people? And sometimes it's hard for us. Sometimes we don't forgive. Sometimes we hold on to a grudge for a, li- for a lifetime. And you know yourself, it's not that easy to forgive. Because the more someone hurts us, the closer they are to us, the more it hurts, the more we hang on to it. You know, someone who tells you, oh, I just let it go and it's just easy. I watched um, Frozen and, you know, I just, instead of letting it snow, I just let it go. <laughs> they can tell you it's that easy. But at the end of the day, we are human and we know that it's not that easy. Amen. And so for us to take what Jesus taught in his prayer and to say, Father, forgive me as I forgive. As noble as it sounds, you and I both know, if God were to honor that prayer, we would be in deep trouble. Because I know some people, Christians, believers, who have been hanging on to a grudge, who have unforgiveness for a very long time. And if God was to forgive them the way they forgive, it means that He cannot forgive them completely and totally because he's for, He has to forgive them the way they forgive. And so, even though, and I don't want you to misunderstand me, <laughs> because I don't want you or anyone else to think that I'm, that I'm coming against what Jesus taught, what Jesus said. And you know, here's the unfortunate thing with everything that is in red in our Bible. Some people think that because Jesus said it, 
Listen to this carefully, please. They think because Jesus said it, it applies to us 100%. But here's what they miss. Some things are written for us, but not everything is written to us. Does that make sense? So some things that Jesus said, he said for our benefit. But he didn't say it so that it would apply to us directly. It is so we can see the greater concept, the greater gospel truth. Now, when he taught his disciples how to pray that way, it was very fitting and it was accurate. Because his disciples, and including Jesus, as we'll see in a moment, were people who were living under the law, the law of God. And so it applied to them, and this is how they could pray under the law. Because that was God's desire. That's the way it worked. So he wasn't incorrect at the time. And then, (laughs) to make it worse for us, or for anyone else who thinks this is the way forgiveness comes, watch what he continues to say in the same chapter in verses 14 and 15. Watch us now. Jesus continues here and he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, in other words, it's a choice. Notice, if. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So he's re-emphasizing that same concept. You do it, God will do it to you as you do it. Then he says in verse 15, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Look at that real carefully. In essence, what Jesus is saying there, look at it real carefully. Look what I have in bold and what I have in different colors. In essence, what he's saying is if you forgive, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive, then God will also not forgive you. Isn't that in essence what he said right there? So he re-emphasized that same truth when he taught his disciples how to pray. And just a few verses as he finished teaching them how to pray under the law, in essence, he re-emphasizes the point. And he says, here's how forgiveness works in our time, in, in relating to God by law. I'm going to clarify all that in a moment. He says, if you do it, God will do it to you the same way. If you don't do it, God will not do it to you. So you understand and realize that we are in serious trouble if this is how forgiveness works beyond the cross. If this is how forgiveness works, you know, after having received salvation in Jesus, then we are in serious, serious trouble. I personally And I I don't see myself as one who holds grudges for long. I don't see myself as someone who has unforgiveness. And you know, I mean, we'll never know. God knows my heart. But I'd like to think that I don't have an unforgiveness issue in general. But I know sometimes I struggle. I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes it takes me a while to just trust God and the Spirit of God and think it through and work work out my emotions. It takes me a while to actually get to a place of forgiveness. Now, if someone commanded me to forgive, do you think I will probably do it if it's a command from God, but does it really come from my heart? Am I really doing it freely or am I doing it out of obligation? And you see, this is the mistake sometimes people make. They think that if they act out on the obligation that they're actually forgiving, but in their heart they haven't really forgiven. And so ultimately, what is unforgiveness? What really matters 
It matters when it comes from the heart, not out of obligation. Because God can see right through that. Amen. And it can still harbor in our hearts. And so when you look at this over here, I personally don't want God to forgive me the way that I forgive. Because the times when I struggle, if I were to die in the middle of me struggling and getting to a place of forgiveness, then there's sin that God has not forgiven me for, and I'm in trouble eternally. That is true. If this applied to me, and this is how I was to live. And of course, when I say I, I'm talking about you as well. And so, what we need to see and realize here is, is that what Jesus taught about forgiveness, in essence, as you have seen, is very hardcore, and it's also very legalistic. Wouldn't you agree? Because that's what legalism is. Legalism says you do, you get. You don't do, you don't get. That's the definition of legalism. Isn't that so? And Jesus said, if you forgive, God will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. That's hardcore legalism. And is that God's intention for us as New Covenant believers? Of course it isn't. And so that's why <laughs> it is that way. Because Jesus was teaching those who were under the law. And thus, he was representing the law correctly. Let me say that again. Please listen to this real carefully. The reason why Jesus made those statements about forgiveness, or should we say unforgiveness. And by the way, the word unforgiveness is not found in the Bible, but it is implied. And so the reason why <laughs> Jesus said what he said and taught about unforgiveness the way he did is because he was speaking to an audience, including his disciples, who were a people, including himself, who were living under the law. And so Jesus wasn't to go, going to go and misrepresent the law, because then he would break the law, and then he would be guilty himself. And so, because of that, he had to teach it the way it was according to the law of God, and he also had to represent the law of God correctly. Amen. Are you with me? Let's take a look at this. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. Watch this. <clears throat> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, watch this, born under the law. Talking about the law of God. To redeem those who were, notice, under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. What is that portion telling us? It's telling us that Jesus was born under the law. Therefore, he was subject to the law of God. Therefore, he had to live by the law of God and he had to teach the law of God and represent the law of God. This is why we say many times, not everything Jesus said was applies to the New Covenant believer or was written to the New Covenant believer, but it is there for the New Covenant believer. It is there for our benefit so we can see the difference and understand it. Amen. And then in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, he has an example of Jesus representing the law of God correctly. Watch what it says there. <laughs> but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, talking about Jesus, they gathered together, watch this, then one of them, a lawyer, look at that, so this wasn't someone like a lawyer like we know today, you know, who can represent us on 
civil law. This is talking about a lawyer, someone who specializes in studying the law of God, and he knew and understood the law of God absolutely as best as possible. And so this was someone who was a professional at the law of God. He says, then one of them, a lawyer, watch this, asked him a question, testing him. So he wants to see if Jesus knows the law of God and if he represents it correctly. And saying, teacher, which is the great commandment, what does it say next? In the law. Talking about the law of God, right? So Jesus is going to answer and represent the law correctly because the question was about the law, right? So just because he says what he's about to say, it doesn't mean that this now applies to the new covenant believer. So watch this. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, is that good for us to do? Yes. Does God want us to do it by commandment or from the heart? Of course, from the heart. But under the law, it was a commandment. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Watch how he ends his answer. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Look at that. So, did Jesus represent the law of God correctly? Yes, he did. Because his answer shows us that. Right? And so, you can see from that, what I've shown you there is two specific things. Jesus was born under the law. So, he related to God by law because he was born under the law. And therefore, as a teacher, as a rabbi, he had to represent the law correctly. And therefore, he taught the law to his audience who were all under law. Because redemption in Jesus had not yet happened. And they couldn't be under grace. And so you can see that why I say that it, was, it is written for us, but it's not written to us. In other words, what I'm saying is you cannot take the, what Jesus said about someone who relates to God by law, specifically regarding forgiveness, and say it applies to us today. Because it doesn't apply the same way. And I'm going to show you that in a moment from Scripture as well. And so from that so far we conclude that what Jesus said and taught about forgiveness was for those living under the law. In other words, those who related to God by law. In other words, they had a legalistic relationship with God. And as you know, the law says you do, you get. You don't do, you don't get. You do, blessings come upon you. You don't do, curses come upon you. That's the law. That's legalism. And we're not under that system anymore. Praise God for Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And so, new covenant believers are not under the law of God. Now, does that mean that we just disregard the law? Does that mean that we just ignore the law of God and just break His law? Of course not. Of course that doesn't mean that, because that reveals the nature of God. And God's nature in us and with us will eventually express, ourself, express itself and teach us to live that way. But we, not, we don't relate to Him primarily by His law. Amen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Let me show you that from Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Watch this. It says, For sin, now that's not sins, it's sin. It's a noun, not a verb. So it's talking about the state, the condition of sin that we inherited from fallen Adam. He says, For the state of sin shall not have dominion over you. Watch this. Here's the reason why. 
For you are not, notice, not under the law, but under grace. And this is talking to new covenant believers, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? It says, new covenant believers are not under law, they're under grace. I mean, it couldn't be any clearer than that. And then Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, watch what it tells us. Talking to believers again. It says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt. Why attempt? Because it cannot be done. You who attempt, watch this, to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. In other words, when you try and relate to God as a new covenant believer by the law of God, what's going to happen is, is you're going to become isolated and you're a stranger to the things of God, to, to Jesus and who you are in Jesus. And even though you are trying your best to fulfill the law because you cannot, imperfect people cannot fulfill a perfect law. And so what happens is, is that they fall from grace. In other words, grace is higher than law. And when someone tries to relate to God by law, they fall from the higher to the lower. And so it's not to speak against the law of God, because the law of God has a purpose. And we need to embrace the law and receive the law of God in our lives and live, you know, in, in the realm of the law of God for the reasons God gave the law. Not for the reasons religion or legalistic teaching tells you that you should definitely live by law and relate to God by law. Because we've just seen it. We're not under law. We're under grace. And we've just seen it that if we try and relate to God by law, the best we can do is try. And what it will do is it will alienate us from who we are and what we have in Jesus. And it will cause us to fall from the greater place that He placed us in, which is grace. And so that again shows us that what Jesus said when he was here on earth about forgiveness, or you could say unforgiveness, it was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. But it's there to inform us, to help us see and understand how we should really approach unforgiveness in our lives. And so what Jesus said about forgiveness then, we could say, does not apply to us, amen, because it applied to those who lived under the law. Or you could put it this way, it applied to those who lived by the old covenant. It does not apply to those who live by the new covenant. Amen. And so, if what Jesus said and taught applied to the new covenant believer then, it would basically nullify the purpose of him coming and of his work of our redemption. Isn't that so? I mean, that's what it would do. If what Jesus said about forgiveness uh, to those under the law and him being under the law, if it applied to us today beyond the cross, it really nullifies the cross and the purpose for him coming. Well, I mean, why even bother going to the cross, dying for our sin, dying with our sin, dying for us and as us? What's the point if what applied before the cross still applies to us beyond the cross about forgiveness and unforgiveness? It would nullify what he did and the purpose for him coming. Isn't that so? This is why it is different. So this is why I keep saying that it is written for us, but it is not written to us. Now, does that mean that we should be careless about unforgiveness? 
Because I know immediately someone who may still have a bit of a legalistic mindset, legalistic thinking, will think, oh, so what you're saying then is it's okay to have unforgiveness. It's okay to live in unforgiveness uh, because it doesn't apply to me and it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you want to think that way, with all due respect, it's foolish. Second of all, why would you want to let something like unforgiveness destroy your life from the inside out. I mean, it's just silly. It makes no sense. Wouldn't you agree? So, of course not. He's definitely, I'm definitely not encouraging us to become careless about unforgiveness because it will only do us harm. Isn't that so? And, you know, I've heard this illustration shared many times and I'll share it with you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison ourselves, hoping that it will harm the person that we are offended at. Does that even make any sense? It's foolish, wouldn't you agree? But yet that's how you can liken unforgiveness. It's like you, you know, someone has hurt you, someone has offended you, you have all these uh, identifiers of unforgiveness towards someone, and so you decide you're going to drink some hazardous poison, and you gulp it up, and your hope is, is that it will hurt the person who you're offended at. Well, question, who's going to get hurt by it and probably die? You. That's exactly what unforgiveness does. The other person doesn't care. They may not even give it a second thought, but it'll harm you. This is why it's not good to harbor unforgiveness. But I definitely don't want to encourage you. I definitely don't want you to think that the way you let go of unforgiveness is because this is how God forgives you. In other words, you do it out of fear, you do it out of pressure, you do it out of obligation, if you will. You do it because you don't want to offend God, you don't want to be not forgiven by God. And so you kind of, you know, cosmetically forgive out of obligation, but you don't really forgive from the heart. You see, and those under the law, they actually did that. They forgave out of commandment, not out of heart compulsion necessarily. And that's not God's desire for us. And so, because of the portions of Scripture we just read about unforgiveness from the book of Matthew. See, this is the other argument that people bring into the picture. Legalistic people, people who mix law and grace. They say, you see, this is in the New Testament. It's in Matthew. And the New Testament begins in Matthew 1.1. Therefore, it does apply to the believer. Well, I have news for you. <laughs> the New Covenant. Now, listen to this carefully again, please. The New Testament does begin in Matthew 1.1. 1, 1, but it's the Testament, the whole record of, of the New Testament. But the New Covenant only began when Jesus said on the cross, It is finished. That's when the curtain of the temple tore that's when there was, you know, this great earthquake and the sky darkened because the old covenant came to an end at that point and the new covenant began. So it is when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished that the new covenant began, not in Matthew 1.1. In actual fact, much of what we see recorded in the Gospels is actually written there for us, but it is not written to us. And so don't make that mistake in understanding scripture as well. And so some people think that. Let me show you some of this. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 to 17. 
<clears throat> this time from the New Living Translation. It says, talking about Jesus, <laughs> this is why he is the one who mediates, watch us, a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. Watch this. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. You see, so the first covenant is the old covenant, the covenant of law, and he basically died to get them forgiven because there was no forgiveness in that covenant. Then it says in verse 16 and 17, Now when someone leaves a will, in other words a covenant, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, they, the, the will cannot be put into effect. So what that shows us and what that tells us is, is that Jesus, this is one of the primary reasons why Jesus had to die as a, as a man, as a person, as a human. Because by doing that, he died so that the old covenant would, be, would come to an end and the new covenant would be put into effect. That's in essence why he had to die, to put the new covenant into effect meaning that the old covenant was out of effect now. And I'll show you that. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. Makes it clear. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made, watch us now, the first one obsolete. What does it mean to be obsolete? In other words, it's no longer in effect. It's no longer applicable. It is now out of date and will soon disappear meaning that it will disappear or another way to put it is it will soon not apply to the new covenant believer so even though it's speaking there prophetically and it's saying that what it's saying is is that when jesus died on the cross and said it is finished what happened is is that the old covenant the covenant of law was made obsolete it was now it expiry date came and it's now out of date and it will soon no longer have an effect as people get revelation of the new covenant. So from all of that, you can see that Jesus' death ended the old covenant way of relating to God, which is law. And it ushered in the new way of relating to God, which is grace. Amen? So for us to say, or if for us to try and apply and live by what Jesus said about unforgiveness to those under the law, what will happen? It will cause us to live in despair. It will cause us to live in hopelessness. And ultimately, it will force us to relate to God and live by law, which means that we will fall from grace and we will seem distant from Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Right? I know that I'm saying a lot. And I want to encourage you, just try, just grasp all you can. And you may need to go back to our website when this is uploaded and online and just re-listen to this again. Or you can subscribe to our free audio podcast and listen to it right there. But these are truths that need to be understood, that need to be embraced and need to be lived in as new covenant believers. And so beyond the cross, forgiveness looks completely different. Let me say that again. Beyond the cross, forgiveness looks completely different for us, but also how we forgive. 
how we walk in unforgiveness. So let me show you that now, now that I've shown you the basis, now that I've shown you how to understand what Jesus said and how it's written for us, but not necessarily to us. So let me show you what New Covenant forgiveness looks like. Ephesians 1 verse 7. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Watch this. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So, in Jesus, are we forgiven? Yes. And what is the basis of our forgiveness? Grace. Not law. Grace. So you can see from that, that God has forgiven us. He has forgiven us of all of our sin. Past, present, future. Because when He was on the cross, some 2,000 years ago, none of us were born. So all of our personal sin, if you will, was in the future tense when Jesus said it is finished. So to argue about tenses just makes absolute no sense. And so you can see that we have been forgiven for all of our sin on the basis of Jesus by His blood and according to the grace of God. In other words, we don't deserve it. We cannot earn it, but God forgave us anyway. Amen. Then Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Somehow I've got that one missing there. Okay, let me just read it then. It's not on the screen. Colossians 2.13. Just listen to it. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made you alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So that again just emphasizes that we are forgiven of all of our sin. Past, present, future. So New Covenant forgiveness, based on those two portions we've just read, New Covenant forgiveness is a past tense reality for the believer. In other words, you are already forgiven. When you receive salvation in Jesus, you are forgiven of all of your sin. So there is nothing left for God to forgive you. So to say that, or to pray, say, God, forgive me as I forgive, Well, He has nothing to forgive you for because He's already forgiven you of all of your sin. Now, do we apologize and say, I'm sorry and thank you, Lord, for forgiveness when we mess up? Sure, but you are still forgiven because forgiveness is a past tense reality for the believer. It's been done. And then secondly, New Covenant forgiveness, as you have seen, it is not based on our merit or performance. It is based on the grace of God, the riches of His grace. In other words, God doesn't forgive you based on what you do, what you don't do, your merit, your performance. He forgave you on the basis of Jesus' shed blood. Amen. And so now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. This is how we are to forgive. So no longer God forgives us because we forgive, because we've seen and explained that. So this is why we forgive, and this is how we forgive. He says, it says there, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, watch us, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Notice, past tense. So in other words, what this is telling us here, what God is saying to us here, is is that beyond the cross, as new covenant believers, you are to forgive as God has forgiven you. In other words, when you realize how God has truly forgiven you, through Jesus and the finished work of the cross, 
that will compel you. That should compel you to forgive others. Because after all, God has forgiven me completely and totally. Without reservation, without grudge, without anger. Who am I not to forgive someone else like that? Isn't that so? I mean, that's the anchor that I live by. I forgive because God forgave me. And I'm not going to try and place myself higher than God or above God by thinking that my resentment, my unforgiveness is justified when really and truly His should be. But yet He forgave me. So you can see that it's a big, now it comes from the heart. It's not something out of obligation that's not always necessarily you know, legitimate or real from the heart. So we do forgive. So we don't forgive to be forgiven as New Covenant believers. We forgive because we are forgiven. That's in essence what that portion is telling us. Let me say that again. We don't forgive to be forgiven. We forgive because we are forgiven. Amen. This is why it is so important for us to understand how, just how God has forgiven us. Amen. Look at Colossians 3 verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You see, when we forgive out of the understanding of the forgiveness we have received from God, it is not hard to forgive others. Amen. I mean, God has forgiven us so much. Why would we want to? Why would it? It makes no sense not to forgive someone else. Amen. So we can see from that that old covenant forgiveness was legalistic because it was based on law, right? New covenant forgiveness is not legalistic because it is based on grace. Amen. So if a new covenant believer then adopts the old covenant way of, <laughs> of forgiveness, they are not living by the new covenant like they should. This is where you mix law and grace and you shouldn't. Amen. I don't want to go and rehash all of that again because we've explained it. So the law is meant to bring people to the end of themselves and point us to grace. You know, I said earlier, we need to embrace the law for the reasons God gave the law as new covenant believers. Well, here's the purpose why God gave us the law. Look at this in Romans 3 verse 20 from the New Living Translation. It says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Watch this. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. See, that's the best the law will do for us. That's the best a perfect standard will do is show us our imperfections, but then it will also point us to Jesus. Praise God for that. Amen. So, forgiveness is a choice we make for our own good on the basis of understanding how God has forgiven us. Amen. Forgiveness is a choice we make for our own good. And God himself forgives for that same reason. Did you hear what I said? Forgiveness is a choice we, <laughs> we make for our own good. In other words, we forgive for ourselves, for our own good. And you know that God himself forgives us for the very same reason. Because he knows it's harmful. He knows that it's, like I said to you, it's like drinking poison hoping that it'll hurt the other person that you're offended at. Well, God isn't going to do that to himself either. So he just forgives and he's so forgiving for his own good. And that's the very same reason why we too should freely forgive on the basis of the forgiveness we have received from him. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25. Watch what God says about himself here. He says, I, even I, 
am he who blots out your transgressions, watch this, for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Notice right there, real clearly, God makes the choice to forgive us for his own good because he doesn't want unforgiveness contaminating his own heart. Not that it can. God forgives us for his own well-being and so should we. Amen. Now, he says, and I will not remember their sins. Well, what does it mean not to remember? It means not to be mindful of. In other words, he doesn't have our sins on his mind. He chooses not to have it on his mind. It means not to recall. In other words, he doesn't try and remember and think back when you offended him, when you committed a sin against him. He doesn't bother doing that. He chooses to just not think about it. It also means to not bring to remembrance. In other words, he just absolutely chooses not to think about our sins, how we've sinned against him. Now notice, (laughs) it doesn't say that I will forget their sins. He doesn't forget our sins. God is perfect. He's all-knowing. He doesn't have the capability to forget because if he could forget, he would not be perfect. He would not be holy. So he cannot forget. This is why he chooses not to remember. He chooses not to be mindful of. He chooses not to recall. He He chooses not to bring it to his remembrance. That's why he can walk in forgiveness. Can you see how this is helping us all? This is how we do it. We just choose not to remember. We choose not to recall it. When it tries to creep into our minds, we change the focus and think about something else. Amen. So God chooses not to remember. In other words, he chooses not to reattach our sins, the things he's forgiven us for, to himself. Amen. And we've all heard the saying, you know, where people say, God throws our sins in the deep sea of forgetfulness. Now, I don't know where people got that from because it's not scriptural. And I hear many Christians say that, but it's not what scripture says. Because if God could forget, he couldn't be God. Are you with me? Watch this in Micah 7 verse 19. It says, He shall again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness, destroying sin's power. Yes, you will cast all our sins, watch this, into the depths of the sea. It doesn't say the sea of forgetfulness. It says into the depths of the sea. What is he saying by making that statement? Well, who can go to the deepest part of the sea, of the ocean? We haven't, with all the technology, with all the advancement we have, to this day, none of us, no human has been, to the very depths of the sea. And I don't know if we ever will because of the pressure and everything else. It's just, we just cannot. And so the point that he's trying to make here is is that he chooses not to remember, not to reckon. In other words, he's put it so far away from his mind, so far away from his heart that it's not going to be a factor in him relating to us. And so this is why God wants us to, when we forgive I know that some people say, and I used to say that as a counselor, unfortunately, in my before grace days, in my legalistic days, I would say to someone, 
Well, you know, the way you'll know that you've really forgiven, because some people would say to me, you know, how can I know, Pastor, if I've really forgiven someone? And I would say, based on my misunderstanding of this, I would say, <laughs> you know, you'll know that you've really forgiven when you no longer, when, when you have forgotten, when you no longer, um, it no longer comes into play. In other words, when you've forgotten it completely. And the fact of the matter is, is that we as humans can forget, but God cannot forget. But is that a good way to encourage someone and say, you know, if you, if you have forgotten, then you've forgiven? No. Some things never leave. Some things linger. So it's not about forgetting more than it is about not remembering. In other words, you see, it's God's nature to forgive and not remember our sins. And we should do the same. So if we try to determine our forgiveness by our ability to forget, by our forgetfulness, we will never forgive like we should. Don't try and don't use that as a standard and say, well, if I have forgotten, if I forget it, then I've really forgiven. No, and I hope you forget it because who wants to remember things like that? But you need to go with the fact that it's no longer remembering. In other words, no longer reattaching that to ourselves making the choice not to reattach it not to bring it not to think about it not to be mindful of it that's how we know we're forgiven because we have been forgiven so to forgive means to set them free and not reattach the offense to them in our heart and in our mind amen so to live without unforgiveness means that you have chosen forgiveness over unforgiveness it means that you have chosen love over hate and it means that you have chosen reconciliation over division. Amen. Praise God, praise God. And that is the gospel truth about unforgiveness. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.